Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Brent Jones. Enjoy. Uh, well, Happy New Year, first of all. Happy New Year. Um, yeah, turn to somebody and wish them a Happy New Year if you haven't already. It feels good. You know, it's like a fresh start. Say, hey, Happy New Year. Um, yeah, so uh, today we are going to kick off 2023 with prayer. And we're going to pray through the Lord's Prayer together, one stanza at a time. We're going to, we've got different people that are going to lead it. Uh, Terry's going to come up in a little bit. Danica's going to come up. Trevor's going to lead some. I'm going to lead some. We're going to take parts of it. We're going to lead uh, each other together through it. And then we're going to worship in between, if that's okay. Um, that's why these guys are s- still up here. Um, sweet stash. I, I, yeah. It's a New Year's. Okay, it's a New Year's stash. I see. I see. Okay, well, <laughs> you all wanted to say it. You just hadn't yet. It's fine. I have a mic. It's good. Well, I, last night, we actually kind of in very atypical fashion for the Jones family, we actually stayed up till midnight, which was weird. Um, we stayed up till midnight, and um, not that we don't do that normally, but on New Year's, we usually go to bed, which is kind of strange for us. But we stayed up, and like all good Idahoans, we watched the potato drop on Channel 7. Yeah, it's still weird. In case you, it's still really weird. Um, and actually, I was trying to find it because I, we don't, I, I'm not even going to talk to you about our TV situation in our house, but I was trying to find it online. And I was like, where to find it? And when you type the word potato last night around midnight, the, the very first Google search that popped up was, is the potato drop a real potato? <laughs> I'm not lying to you. That is, now, come on. I have lived in Idaho most of my life, and I can tell you that potatoes are not actually that large. But it, I mean, that's like the size of my Suburban. Have you ever seen it? Do you know what? It's like, you guys, it's like, it's like the size of this little stage right here. It's massive. And I just, I was kind of blown away just by human nature. Um, <laughs> anyway, there was no point to that. I just wanted to tell you that because I thought it was interesting. We're going to pray this morning. <clears throat> and I want to encourage you as we pray, this is not a silent prayer time. Now, I'm not asking you to shout your prayers. You might need to at some point. But that's okay. You can do that. You, you're free to do whatever. But, um, and you're free to move about the room as you'd like to. If you just kind of want to get comfortable and, and pray through the Lord's Prayer with us this morning, uh, that's great. But I want to encourage you to speak these requests and these statements out loud to God. It does something when our ears hear what our heart wants to say. I'm going to say that again. It does something to us when our ears hear what our heart wants to say. When our heart says it, our ears aren't listening. But when when our heart says it, through our mouth, our ears get to hear it. Also, the heavenlies, the heavenly realms are hearing and listening. And so when we're speaking out loud, it's more than just the prayer of our heart to God, which God hears, of course, God hears our prayer from our heart. But when we speak it out loud, something different happens and it just shifts us into a new attitude of prayer. So we're leading through the Lord's Prayer as found in Matthew chapter six this morning. So you might want to just have your Bible open to Matthew chapter 6. We will have prayer prompts on the screen as well as the individual stanzas of the verse there. Um, But I want to remind you that the Lord's Prayer is not just some lifeless chant that we repeat. The Lord's Prayer is not just a bunch of stanzas that we say multiple times daily to kind of... That's not what the Lord's Prayer is. The Lord's Prayer is a model of prayer for us, a framework of communication with God. And so um, I'm just going to read into this from the start. I'm actually going to start just before Jesus uh, prays this. And Jesus says in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6, I'm reading out of the NIV, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to uh, to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. In other words, that's all the further that prayer is going to go. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. I have that underlined in mine. 
pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans. I love that. For they, keep, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father, notice the emphasis, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. And then this then is how you should pray. Then he goes into it. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, you can go ahead and put this up there. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So this is our first stanza this morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He says, this then, this then is how you should pray. When Jesus says, this then, you should probably go back and say, okay, what is he talking about? This is how you do something? Okay, what is that? And he says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The words we choose have power. Today, as we pray these prayers, the words that we use have power. Yes, God's all-powerful creator of the universe, Alpha, Omega, King of Kings, Almighty, Lord of Lords, God of heaven's armies. He's all of those things. But when Jesus instructed us to pray, he said, when we pray, we are to address him as Father. Father, our Father in heaven. He's not just Father, he's a different kind of Father. He is a heavenly Father. Why does this matter? I'm gonna put some images up on the screen and I wanna show you why this matters. Let's start with the first one. <clears throat> Albertsons. You didn't think we were gonna be talking about grocery stores this morning. You thought we were talking about prayer. Okay, put up the next one. Okay. Now the next one. Okay. Uh, next one. Okay. All right. Why do those matter? Because your perception, when I put up that logo, your perception of that grocery store, how many of you have done a lot of shopping in the last couple of weeks? Whoa. Seriously, I have been in, I want to make sure I'm saying what's true. I've been in all of those stores in the last two weeks. Why? Because I'm crazy and I didn't prepare. But also, <laughs> they, they had different stuff. They were in different locations. They had, but really, when I put those things up on screen, some of you liked some of those things, right? Some of you were like, oh, I love Albertsons. It's right around the corner from my house. But when I put other ones of those up, you're like, oh, nope. Right? Didn't you feel that way about some of those? I'm not going to ask you which ones, Walmart. What? <laughs> I'm not... But when I put that up there, didn't you have like a response to it? Yes. Yeah. When I put Trader Joe's up there, I know my wife's response. Yes. <laughs> Why? Because, because of her perception of that store. This is what Jesus was talking about when he says, our father in heaven, what does that have to do with grocery stores? Your perception of who you're praying to makes all the difference. My perception of where I'm going to go grocery shopping makes all the difference. I know what that store has. I know where they're located. I know if they can do what I need them to do. I know they have what I need. They're in a location that I need. They've got what I need, and they can make it happen. That's why I go there. Otherwise, I choose something different. Your perception of who you're praying to is everything. Your perception of that logo, when it came up on screen, tells me if you ever like to shop there or not. Your perception of the word father is important. What we believe about God and his character could be a game changer for our prayer life this year. When we pray our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. When we pray that phrase, it could be a game changer for how we pray this year. Does he love me? Is he near to you? Is he close to you? Does he want to listen to you? Does he want to speak to you? Can he provide for you? Does he want to provide for you? Does he know what is ultimately best for you? So what we're going to do as we pray today and as we pray in this year, we're going to allow what's true about the Father to lead us in prayer. Not what's true about our circumstances, not what's true about 2022 and what we want to be true about 2023. We're not wishing, we're praying. So we allow what's true about the Father to frame where we're headed in prayer. So let's, let's put that, on, that prompt up on the screen. We're going to pray this today. So 
um, I just want you to read it for a, for a second. I'm going to read it out loud to you. And then I'm going to give you just a few moments here to pray that in your own timing and maybe apply some of your own words. I'm, I'm going to speak it out here. Father, adjust my perception of you to help me understand you as Father. That you are entirely different than anyone else. And that you are willing and able to hear my prayer today and meet my needs. When we say our Father in heaven, when we open prayer that way, this is what we're praying. Today, Lord, adjust our perception of you, Father. So let's just take a few moments and you just pray this in your own time, in your own space, right where you are. Go ahead. You might need to write some things down. That's okay too. As we head into prayer this morning. Just pray this out to the Lord. Father, you're perfect. 
I just really felt like that I've said these verses for 30 some odd years, 35. And it was all this, like off. I couldn't really pray this stuff because I couldn't believe that a good, good father loved me so much. And so I wanna ask, like receive that father's love as we pray that. He loves you. He died for you. He cares for you. He affirms you. He gives you identity. He gives you life. And that's the basis of going into the second part. Without that connection to the Father, how do I pray this second part? The second stanza. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I can only pray that when I know who I am and who my good, good Father is to pray that the kingdom of God, to pray this, to, to walk this out is, is saying, God, it's your kingdom that rules, your kingdom that reigns in this world around me and in, in my life. As I pray this, as I, as I go through these stanzas, that's what it means is that, that Jesus, that God, that, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the king of my life. And that's all that really matters, that he's on the throne in my life, that he is the king and he rules and reigns in my life. We pray this, we call this out because God is looking to partner with us. We have a good, good father that wants to partner with us to see his kingdom Explode. I love that word explode when I talk about the kingdom. He's looking for it to explode in my life and in the world around me. I can't live life without this. I can't take that next step without God's kingdom ruling and reigning in my life. So let's be people that invite God's kingdom and his rule and his reign in our lives. That leaves everything else behind, that leaves the distractions behind, that says, God, you rule in my life and you reign. That's his kingdom coming in my life and his power coming into my life. We are called to seek and pursue his kingdom first. So we have a couple prompts. And I'm gonna read through it and, and just ponder. What would it look like for God's kingdom to truly come and rule in our lives? How would the world look different if it was ruling and reigning in this broken world? And once again, because when I pray this out, when I cry it out, it's gotta start in me first. So how is my life different? How would my life look different if I was truly submitted and surrendered to the kingdom of God and to God dwelling within me? We have a, a prayer prompt that is coming up. And just like we did earlier, I'm gonna read it and then we're just gonna sit in it. And then I'm gonna close us in prayer with this too. So Father, I pray for your kingdom to come. Good, good Father, I know 
that you have the best for me even when I don't feel that way. And good, good Father, I surrender my will, my wants, and my desires for your ultimate will in my life and through my life. So let's just take a, a minute and just pray this out. If you wanna pray out loud, pray out loud, and then I'll close us. So Father, we come before you and we say your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord. We thank you that we get to cry out to you. We thank you that we get to surrender to you. We thank you that we get to pursue you and seek after you. So we say, come and have your way in us. Lord, the areas of our lives where it's hard to surrender, where it's hard to lay at your feet, Lord, we surrender and we choose to lay it at your feet, Lord, because it's your kingdom come. Lord, we thank you that you're a good, good father.
for our next uh, prayer prompt and, and part of this prayer that Jesus gave his disciples. You know, we're, we're reading this out of the Matthew version of this prayer. In the Luke version, it adds a little bit of uh, uh, insight into what triggered Jesus giving this prayer. And I really love it because the disciples, they noticed something about Jesus' prayer life that was different than theirs. Something about his prayer life was more effective. It was more powerful. It was more intimate. And so at some point they came to him and even his boys that had grown up in the church that had prayed their whole lives, daily prayers, you know, they, they saw something different. They said, would you teach us how to pray? And so he gave them this prayer and he actually designed it. It's brilliant. It is the most brilliant prayer ever written, ever created. And, and, it, and it flows very, very intentionally through a progression. And so we get to the step. We, we don't jump straight in. I mean, how many times do we start our prayers with, oh, God, give me this, give me that? Or God, will you do this? Will you do that? And this prayer doesn't start there, does it? We started by, by talking to a good father, by anchoring and rooting this, this, this prayer, this relationship of, of asking with a father who's altogether good, who's altogether present, who's altogether listening. We start there and, we, and, we, and we, we start with remembering that he's good and we anchor there. And then we invite his kingdom and his will in our lives. We say, God, beyond anything that, that I would ask or, or imagine, I know that whatever you have is best. And so before I get into what I want, I invite what you want. I invite your rule, your reign, here on earth, here today, as it is in heaven. And so we start there, and then we get into our needs. And I think Jesus is just brilliant in the way he, he taught us to do that. In fact, this, this progression from seeking first God's kingdom and then bringing our needs to him, Jesus actually taught that in another place. In, uh, in Luke 12, Jesus said this, and I, I don't have a, a, a text for this. This is, this is supposed to be Jackie's section this morning. So I don't, actually, I don't even know what Jackie's prayer prompts are yet. We're going to find out in a moment. But Jackie was homesick this morning. But, so I don't have a slide for this. So just listen to what Jesus said. He's talking to his disciples. He said, look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. And yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. And it's that confidence that God, as I, as I seek your will, I'm going to trust you to meet, meet my, my needs, the needs of my family, the needs of my household. God, will you intervene in the circumstances of my life as I choose to prioritize you, your rule, your will, your kingdom? And yet, when he taught this prayer, he taught his disciples to say, give us this day our daily bread. It's not that Jesus ignored our just really practical daily needs. He just put them in the perspective of first talking to a good father, first seeking his will above all else, and then saying, God, here's my needs. Give us today our daily bread. Here's a few questions that Jackie provided to help us think through this. Are you truly relying on your Father for your daily bread? Or are you striving in your own strength, full of worry instead of trusting Him and bringing your requests before your Father? I think when we get to this part of the prayer, it's a chance for on this day or, or as we begin a new year to just bring to our awareness the things that we know we, we need, that we're asking God for, to bring those to him in trust. Sometimes they're material things. They're financial. Sometimes they're provision. Sometimes they're our, our deepest spiritual need. Quite often when I'm praying this, I, I, I recognize, God, my biggest need for you, my, the, the daily bread that I need most today 
is your very presence in my life. If, if I have everything, but I don't have you, I have nothing. And so today, would you give yourself to me again? Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, right? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So God, I want your presence. I want your joy. I want your hand. I want your shaping. I want you. Here's our prayer prompt. Father, I surrender my daily bread to you. I'm done with striving. I'm done with trying to provide for myself and my own strength. I depend wholly on you and trust in you to provide for me and my family everything we need. Just take some time to just pray that back to God. Good Father, thank you that you already know our needs, the things that we would ask of you, the things that create anxiety in our hearts. You already know all of this, and you care. Thank you that we don't come to you as beggars trying to persuade you to care, but you're a good Father who it's, it's your pleasure to give good gifts to your children. So would you increase our capacity to trust you? Would you increase our capacity to seek first your kingdom this year and see you also meet all of our needs, our material needs, our spiritual needs? God, help us to, to live in this reality.
Our next line in the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples is, is this. It's, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Again, the progression of this is significant. We've already rooted our prayer in praying to a good father. We've ask for the grace to live in a way that faithfully carries his name and his image, a way that reflects him to the world. When we say, hallowed be thy name, we're saying, I want to know you as you truly are, and I want to make you known as you truly are. So now we come to this time of forgiveness. We've already said, God, I, I want to project, I want to carry myself in our world in a way that shows who you are. And we have a God who's forgiving. God has revealed himself as a God who is full of mercy, kindness, faithful love. We've invited his will to be done in and through us, and now we've also asked for divine provision for whatever is needed for the coming day, or in this case, the coming year. So now what we turn to, Jesus turns to the relational realities of living in a still fallen world. He's talking to his children, those that are his followers, those who have been adopted into his family, but he's dealing with the relational realities of us living today, this year, in a still fallen world. This petition, Jesus taught his disciples to pray as a way of relational living that keeps short accounts between God and ourselves and between ourselves and others. So we're dealing with both our, our vertical relationship with God and our horizontal relationships with one another. We pray this in a daily rhythm this is relational soul care. I like that phrase. Relational soul care. That keeps, helps us keep our own hearts clean, decluttered, and free to live in God's goodness, God's peace, and God's abundance. That's what our Father has for us. That's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray this. He wants us to help us keep our hearts clean, decluttered, and free. We pray this in an annual rhythm like we're doing today. This petition is about asking God for a fresh grace in the coming year. You know, grace is not only God's undeserved favor. It is. It's also an empowerment of God's presence. His indwelling presence in us is an empowering grace. And so what we're asking for is an empowering grace to in the coming year to recognize and then to repent and to renounce the habits in our own life that that hijack our relationship with God, that, that create a barrier between him and us, that limit our intimacy with him, that block our joy. We're asking for that for ourselves. We're also asking for a new capacity, an empowering grace to extend grace to those who have harmed us in both real and in imagined ways. And one of the things I find when I'm praying through this part of the Lord's Prayer is that I just allow people to come into my conscious, people that maybe I'm struggling with relationally. And sometimes there's, there's real harms that have, have been, I, that I've experienced from people and I, and I choose to forgive them instead of holding those things against them. Doesn't mean that, that, that those things are okay. It just means I'm, I'm releasing my need to, to punish them for that, to seek some sort of retaliation. I'm saying, God, would you take care of this? I bless them with your kingdom and your will. I also find that sometimes that the hurts that I've experienced are more imagined. They're perceived. Sometimes God shows me they didn't actually do that to you or say that to you. Sometimes he gives me insight into where they're coming from that I didn't have. 
And so as I bring them before him in prayer and I bring that area of forgiveness, it, again, it's, it's helping me keep my heart free and decluttered. Now here's the thing, Jesus consistently teaches these two practices, both receiving forgiveness and releasing forgiveness to others. He, consi he consistently teaches those things as inextricably linked. He always talks about them together. Here's, if we just kept reading in Matthew where, where Matthew is giving the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said this, he said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, this isn't the part we like, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus always puts these things together. Look at the way he, he put it in Luke. This is in or Mark, Mark 11. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. For Jesus, these two rhythms of forgiveness Receiving forgiveness, extending forgiveness. They're like breathing. They're like the oxygen of life in God's kingdom. Breathe in forgiveness. Breathe out forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. Extend forgiveness. What happens if you hold your breath? If you hold your breath on either receiving or extending, you suffocate spiritual life in your own heart. Jesus always tied these together. So with that in mind, we turn our prayers now towards this rhythm of forgiveness and mercy. We pause first to breathe in, to receive forgiveness for anything the Holy Spirit brings to our current awareness. We pause to not only address the sins we are aware of, the guilt and shame we might be already experiencing, we, we bring those things to him, but we also open our souls to the searching of the Holy Spirit. Here's our first forgiveness prayer prompt. Good Father, grant me the grace to breathe in and receive your forgiveness for my sins as you bring them to my awareness. Let's take a moment to let him do that. Holy Spirit highlights something to you as we pray this. The invitation is to bring that to the Lord for forgiveness. This is a good father, quick to forgive, abounding in steadfast love and mercy. But it's also an invitation to ask for grace to change that. Maybe it's a, a pattern or a behavior. Maybe it's a relationship that we need to, to change the way we're interacting in that relationship. We ask for grace to, not only to ask for forgiveness, but to, to change. Having breathed in forgiveness, now we complete the rhythm by releasing forgiveness to others, by breathing it out to those who have harmed us in real or perceived ways. We release others from the silent and hidden resentments that we may carry towards them. This is something that happens in church world is we don't always show what's in our hearts, but it's there. Sometimes we act nice, we put on a nice face, but there's the silent and hidden resentments that are barriers between us and real intimacy with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we release others from the silent and hidden resentments that we may carry toward them, and we pray for, prayerfully bless them to life in the same heavenly goodness that we are seeking for ourselves. We bless them to life in the same heavenly goodness we're seeking for ourselves. Here's our second forgiveness prayer prompt. Good Father, grant me the grace to breathe out, to release your forgiveness to those who have sinned against 
or caused harm to me as you bring them to my awareness. Father, as we, uh, as we ask for forgiveness, we also extend forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. Would you help us to be merciful? In your name. Oh, the perfect Son of God in all his innocence you're walking in the dirt with you and me and he knows what living is he's acquainted with our grief a man of sorrow son of suffering blood how can it be there's a god who weeps there's a god who bleeds and oh praise the one who would reach for me next prompt lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil I don't know about you but as a kid this one always confused me <laughs> when wherever we're not sure what scripture means it makes sense to put it in the context of all of scripture there's so many verses about temptation and evil one of my go-to ones comes from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I'll just read this to you. Just listen. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. Whatever you're struggling with, it's common. You're not alone. You're not the only one. But know this. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You might have heard, God won't give you anything more than you can handle. It's, it's 
the half truth. <laughs> the rest of that verse says, when you are tempted, when, not if, when, he will also provide a way out. He will, not you, so that you can endure it. Temptation and the effects of evil can only become, be overcome with the Lord himself. Trevor wrote a version of the Lord's Prayer for us um, a year or so back, and I love how it says um, for this verse, please God, save us from ourselves and from all evil. We'll go ahead and put up the prayer prompt. The first one. Where am I currently combating the effects of evil in my life? Might be by my own actions, by someone else's, or simply experiencing the brokenness and disease of a fallen world. Where am I currently combating, combating the effects of evil? Take a second and acknowledge these places before your father. Acknowledge these places before you, Heavenly Father, knowing you're good, you're trustworthy, and I can be honest with you. Our second prayer prompt. In what ways have I been trying to save myself or others instead of relying on my Savior? Ask him for a second for more faith and commit to trust him to act on your behalf. Go ahead and hold out your hands as an offering. We're up. Father, I repent. I repent of the ways I've tried to save myself or fix myself. I ask for the gift of faith and I choose today to trust you to act. We look to you, Lord. Just what? 
We opened our prayer today with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it ends, the last stanza of our, of our prayer is, for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. So just keep that up there on the screen as we wants to just focus on this for a moment. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. As Trevor said, this Jesus sets up this prayer brilliantly to lead us through our own dependence on God through prayer. And so when we get to this point, why are we saying these things at the end of all of this? The kingdom, the power, the glory are yours now and forever. What this is, is it's this, la this last phrase is a submission of our hearts. We're saying, hey, Father, we've said all of these things. We've asked for all of these things. We've requested all of these things. But in the end, what we want is your kingdom. In the end, what we want is we, we submit to, to total and complete dependence on him. We say, God, here's what we want, but really the kingdom's yours. The keys are yours. The ability to do it, the power to do it, that, that's yours too. And in, and in praying that, when I say the power is yours, what I'm saying is I, I release my own ability to get any of this done. I'm letting go of my own ability to get the result and the outcome that I'm looking for. The power is yours. The kingdom is yours. The power is yours. And the glory is yours. What's that? The credit for all of it. The credit. You get the credit, Lord. You get the glory. It's all yours. It all belongs to you. When you sort this thing out and as you sort it out and no matter how you sort it out, you get the credit for sorting it out because it's your kingdom. You're the one who has the ability, not myself. And so, God, I just give you the credit. That's how this all, all ends. God, you're going to have your way. The kingdom's yours. The power to do it, the ability to do it's yours. And so you just take the credit now because you're worthy. And see, what this prayer prompts us to do is end with worship. Because when we understand the Father's heart, when we understand who He is and how good He is, as, as human beings, it just prompts worship out of us. When you understand at the end of all of your prayer that it all belongs to Him anyway, and He's got it covered and He's got it handled, and when it works out, He's gonna get the credit for it. You can just give Him the credit now through worship, through praise, through adoration. You see, the secret to prayer is understanding that it's all on him. The secret to understanding prayer is to understand that all of our needs, everything we confess, whatever the situation is, whatever's going on in our in the broken world that we're in and seeing his kingdom invade this world and be and, and go out through us, as Terry said, to explode through us in the little pockets of our world in our day, as we see things happen, as the kingdom comes and his will is done, you see, what we understand is that it all is on him. It all depends on him. This is the part that depends on us, just releasing it to him. So we're gonna stand this morning as we wrap up today. And as we, pray, as we pray this final portion, we're just going to give it to the Lord. We're going to pray this out to him.
I'm just going to just say it, and then you just take a minute to pray it out. Father, thank you for hearing me today. I trust you, and I submit the results, the outcome, and the credit to you. I worship you, and I magnify your great name today in this moment, right here. That's what it's doing. It's assigning all of this to this moment. So just take a moment as we stand here. We're going to go into a song in just a minute. But before we do, just take a minute and pray this last stanza out before the Lord. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now forever. Here's the reason why we're starting our new year this way. Jesus actually says it at the very end of this chapter, chapter six. If you have your Bible, it's not going to be on screen, but I just want to read it. It, it, He ends chapter six with verse 33 and 34 saying, just like he began the prayer, actually. Trevor talked about it earlier. But first, seek first his kingdom. First seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, this is the key. This is why we're kicking off this year with it. Verse 34. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Do not be anxious. That's why we're praying this prayer. This prayer, the Lord's prayer, what we've just prayed through, it is Jesus' answer to the anxiety that's happening in your life right now. As you stand on this first day of this new year, looking into 2023 with whatever else, whatever other emotion you have, I understand in my own life the anxiety that can come from looking at a fresh, clean page in front of you and wondering what's going to go on. And this prayer is the answer. So as you encounter that anxiety this year, what we, what we do is we meet it with the kingdom. Like Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory now and forever. Just like he opened the prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. You see, we're meeting the anxiety of the year ahead, whatever feelings you have toward it, whatever emotions, meet those emotions with the reality of who the Father is and what the kingdom is and what he wants to do in us this year. Amen? Amen. So God, we give you this year ahead. We worship you, we exalt you, and we offer this to you.
Yes, God, we give you all of the glory today. Lord, we offer you our prayers for this new year. We set ourselves before you and say, Lord, we belong to you. Let your kingdom come, your will be done here in our lives, in our church, in our cities, in our state, in our nation. God, let your kingdom come, your will be done in us and through us. Lord, we give you this year. Would you just speak that out? Say, Lord, I give you this year. I give you this year, God. Lord, we set it all aside, Lord, before you. We just set it all in front of you and we just say, God, we belong to you. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives as it, as it is in heaven today. Thank you, God, for this time in your presence. Thank you uh, for this year ahead. Thank you, Lord, that we woke up this morning with breath in our lungs and a fresh year ahead of us. We give you all of it, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. In this new year, let's go make the invisible God visible. God bless you. Thanks for listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.